0: Hello Canucks fans and welcome back to another episode of Canucks Conversation. My name is David Guadrelli, my co-host, back in the saddle where he belongs, Harmon Dial. Harmon, let's start there. Your time on the road. How nice is it to be back home?
1: It's perfect, right in time for the holidays. I'm just glad that I wasn't uh, a jinx for the team. Again, last couple of long road trips that I've been on have just been disastrous for the team. So, you know what? It was finally nice to have a change of pace where they performed well on this trip. Uh, And especially when there's less media around, you just get to, I guess, gauge the vibe of the team a bit uh, bit better. And, you know, it was really cool seeing after the Nashville game for, for instance, uh, just how much it seems like the mood and the atmosphere and the vibes have changed around this team, because I can so vividly remember about 13 months ago when the vibes were were terrible it just sort of felt like years and years of failure dysfunction and disappointment was weighing down on these players especially the core guys and it just feels like all that weight has been lifted recently so i just enjoyed hanging out on a road trip and covering
0: these games and being in an environment where canucks hockey is actually fun again and like, I want to talk to you about that vibe because obviously they were very positive, but I think it was Murph that tweeted it out last night that the players were very frustrated after last night's game. And I think this is something that it even spoke about post game um, was that, yeah, it's good that the players are upset, but you know, he was the one kind of giving them some credit for their performance uh, last night in Dallas, six of a possible eight uh, on the road trip. How would you describe the vibe on the trip? And you know, last night especially, like how was it last night? What was it like after that loss?
1: Yeah, the overall vibe is definitely positive. You can see that players feel closer together. The mood's a lot lighter. I mean, just walking walking into uh, the game, or walking into the locker room after the Nashville victory, it was really cool. Just sort of seeing um, wide smiles, everybody sort of uh, singing along to an ASAP Rocky song. And it was just like I've never really seen this before. Of course, what I also liked was that it wasn't a case of them riding that high for, for for too long. It, it was it was a very quick. Like okay, now let's pack our bags. Let's get, let's do our recovery. We're going to Dallas next game. It mellowed down really quickly, which speaks to how Talkett doesn't want them to get too high after victories, too complacent. Um, so I definitely like to see that. And then I also thought it was interesting. Yeah, Murph was bang on. The players were really frustrated after that Dallas performance, which I almost like that they're holding themselves to a much higher standard now because I'm sure they looked at it as a game where top Western conference team and a top Western conference team. I mean, in terms of like contender on paper, I'm not saying Dallas standings-wise right now is is near the top because obviously that's Vancouver's spot right now. But <laughs> Canucks knew the type of team they were playing and holding the lead late in a game. like They really wanted to close that out, especially with the way overtime went, not being able to finish uh, some of those chances and then letting letting one up. Again, I think this team just sort of now feels like it's at the point where, I mean, even early in the season when Tockett brought up, uh, when they were playing 500 hockey and specifically noted, noted, noted some uh, bad habits, And was like, oh, that's 500 hockey in in a negative way. And remember, we were joking that 500 hockey used to be not so bad back in the day. So I think it just goes to show you that the bar is much higher and that these players expect on a night in night out basis to legitimately contend uh, with teams like Dallas.
0: Yeah, and I mean, the bar used to be playing 500 hockey. Like, How, how often did you and I have the joke of all oh, meaningful games in November? That's all we're looking for is meaningful games uh, in November, because recently uh, it was the Canucks tanking their season in the month of October. Uh, we're going to break down the game in Dallas a little bit further, but before we do that, I need to tell you about our presenting spon- sponsor, HSBC 7s. For three full days from February 23rd to 25th, BC Place is going to be the place to be, and that's because for the ninth time, HSBC World Rugby Sevens is coming to Vancouver. Enjoy a next-level rugby experience with VIP tickets from just $130 a day, giving you the best seats in the house, player access, private bar and lounge access, and in-seat food and beverage service. HSBC Vancouver Sevens, where high-caliber rugby and the ultimate party weekend collide we're going to be checking out uh, HSBC sevens rugby later in February. Before that Christmas, I got my, uh, my Santa hat on with the sequins on the hat. I got my red shirt on. Uh, I'm, I'm feeling it. I talked about this yesterday, Harm. I won't repeat it because all the listeners have heard it, but man, I am in the Christmas spirit. I am ready to go. I am so ready for Christmas.
1: Yeah. I also saw your, um, the classic Canucks draft pick stick pose with, uh, uh with Victoria at uh the Canucks skate at Rogers Arena for media so that was seeing the the shot too uh, I know it's a bit different from uh Christmas stuff you we were talking about but
0: I I just gotta say I, I absolutely love that I wish I was there but it was on the road yeah it was it was too bad you couldn't make it to that media skate because we had a lot of fun and I again I talked about that yesterday too about how I shot a puck for like that was my first time ever shooting a puck on ice like I've shot pucks in the backyard in the driveway whatnot but like on ice, on skates. That was my first time shooting. And I'm a right-handed shot, but they only had left-handed sticks. I was using a Anthony Beauvillier stick was all that was around. And like Travis Dermott was kicking around too. So I used those two guys' sticks because they were pretty similar in my height. Uh, so those sticks, they, they worked out well for me. But yeah, I had to do the uh, classic draft a stick point photo uh for Wyatt. He needed to see that. So I did that. Also, we should mention uh Wyatt not joining us today uh on this episode. We thought it'd be a little more fitting to have Dave Hall on the show. Canucks Army's prospect guru uh will join us to preview the world junior championship, which obviously kicks off on Boxing Day. Harm, I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm only gonna watch Team Sweden because that like that's where the Canucks prospects are at. I, I, don't, I don't know, like I don't I watched Team Canada last year cuz of Connor Bedard, but this year, I don't know. I don't I don't think I'm going to be watching Team Canada religiously. Like I'll watch it if it's on, but like I'll be going out of my way to watch Team Sweden this year, I think.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you got some talented Canucks prospects there, and you always want to see how they look in those sort of high-pressure, high-stakes situations. Not that it means a ton, from a an, an evaluation standpoint, because I I still remember the World Juniors where Elias Pettersson was outplayed by Casey Middlestadt, and you saw a bunch of people overreacting to that and saying, "Oh, Middlestadt's <laughs> going to be better than Pettersson," and we can see how those um, takes have aged. But it's just fun. It's it's the type of thing where you throw it on in the background while you're with friends and family. And for these prospects, it, um, you know, representing their country, it means a lot. It carries legitimate stakes. So it's always fun. And yeah, I think I'm with you. I'll watch Sweden and I'll obviously watch um, the knockout games, but I don't think I'm going to be going to be religiously following Canada uh, as, as much as I did perhaps in years past.
0: Yeah, years passages. It, it felt a little different. I don't know. I don't know. And we'll see. We saw the hit from Matt Celebrini today. We'll see uh, what that results in. If there's any supplementary, sub supplemental discipline. Discipline. Wow. I'm just laboring through this to kick off this show. Uh, before we keep going with the recap of last night's game, the OT loss in Dallas. Uh, I just want to quickly give a shout out to a few regular listeners in the chat and wish them a happy holidays. Because man. We've got some great listeners and they're in our chat every single day. It feels like you got Lisa. Mama Lisa, of course is an OG. She said great Santa hat quads. And I really like it. Uh, Jesse C said only one minute in and harm is already a vibes guy. It's a Christmas miracle. And Andrew commenting on what we spoke about earlier. I really like this from Andrew. He said the players should have been frustrated. So were the fans. I think that's a very valid take and goes back to what we said. Um, about the team kind of raising the bar. Captain Insano said he's glad he could make the live stream. Loves Canucks conversation. It's a big part of his daily routine, he said. Uh, Thank you for listening, uh, Captain Insano. We really appreciate it uh, Andrew Christensen, Jesse C, Jeremy Lee, Marcus Toe. can't get to everybody, Karan, Karan's here, um, yeah, a lot of great listeners in the chat, and of course, Logan Van Dyke, whose name I learned how to pronounce, uh, just, just this week, he taught me how to pronounce his name, which I'm, I am really not. Gonna, I'm not gonna lie, the first couple of times you pronounced it, I was like, I don't think that's the right way, but. Well, he, he, he did, yeah, he did point out, he's like, yeah, that's not how you say my name, I'm like, uh, uh-oh, okay, well, I fixed it, so, Uh, yeah I fixed it okay Um, much appreciated like I said to everybody in the YouTube live chat spending their Friday right before the holidays with us here Um, let's get to this game the OT loss versus Dallas have has been too much time on it because Dave Hall is going to join us in about five minutes time so let's talk about this OT loss harm 4-3 in overtime obviously uh, the Canucks lose but they really hold their own I think all game long, they were in it. I don't think they were ever dominating. If anything, I think Dallas was kind of the team that was in the driver's seat for most of that game. But the fact that they got... The, the number of goals that they did and that they had the lead in the dying minutes, I think that was a testament to what this team's been able to do, you know, even on a night where they are getting outshot and maybe in some areas of the ice, they are getting outplayed. I thought the Canucks had a really, really strong push in that game, especially in like the second and third periods. I just think there were moments where Dallas kind of pulled ahead a little bit too much in terms of. You know, possessing the puck, uh, the power play wasn't able to really get set up for a lot of the night. You know, there's a lot of different issues, but I think all in all, you have to be pretty happy with that performance if you're a Canucks fan.
1: Yeah, and you have to remember it was their fourth game in six nights. So you could tell that the energy, the legs weren't quite there, which Talkett also talked about after the game. And it's that context uh, that I think you have to view um, this game through because this team's identity is really contingent on being able to pressure the puck all over the ice it's that hard work on the forecheck it's closing on players in the neutral zone and not giving up a lot there it's winning battles along the wall and all of those are really labor intensive require tons of energy and so on a night where understandably they didn't quite have those legs they sort of had to lean on playing more of a smart, efficient game. And, and like you said, Dallas, I, I thought, controlled uh, controlled the proceedings for most of the night. But for the Canucks to be able to hang around, um, I, I take that as positive. And again, because of how the early parts of the road trip went, I mean, going into the game, all I was thinking was if you can get a point out of it, um, that's a win in my books. Although, of course, look, blowing that lead is, is disappointing. And I understand why Canucks fans are upset. Um, not winning in overtime after that two-on-zero uh, breakaway uh, chance that Patterson and Joshua had is really frustrating too. But all in all, it's not a bad outcome, especially because this was look this was a night where the Garland Garland Joshua line again sort of took over. It just sort of seems like there are so many games where when the team where, where where when the rest of the team is flat, that that line is able to just give them a spark, and that's what they did early before. Joshua scored on that two-on-one in the first period with, with Garland. Bluger had that partial breakaway chance. Garland nearly tucked in a rebound. It's like that line single-handedly gave them that terrific start to keep them in the game for the rest of the contest when they perhaps didn't have the legs they usually did. So um, they deserve a lot of credit. Uh, and Demko held down the fort pretty well, even though there might have been you know the, the odd goal that he might have wanted back.
0: I just need to get this out on Thatcher Demko. And I honestly, I don't want to overanalyze this game. It was look, it, it was a hard-fought game. Uh, but one thing I want to say for sure is that I noticed last night in the Canucks Army comment section, some people pointing out that Thatcher Demko didn't look great in that game. I gotta be honest here. I think that's baloney. And I think a big reason that people don't maybe notice Thatcher Demko playing well is because every save he makes is super unspectacular, even if it's a hard save to make, like the really, really hard saves, yeah, he makes the great save, but, like, he makes hard saves. Like, saves where a lot of goaltenders would be flopping around and making these desperation saves, he's just anticipating well, and he's in position. And Harmon, you did a really good job um, on the intermission panel of- panel on the intermission uh on the broadcast there and you you highlighted that kind of how thatcher demko makes the hard saves and he makes them look really really easy and i think last night was a good example of it so i think that might be something that you and i uh kind of go do is go compile all the all the clips we can of thatcher demko making hard saves look very easy and maybe even going a step further and finding i don't know like a guy like yaroslav askarov who makes every save look like it's the hardest thing in the world making the same save but, you know, he's diving around, so he might get more accolades and end up on more highlight reels. Like, Demko makes the hard saves look easy, and I think that's why it might it might be why some fans start to think, like, no, nah, maybe he wasn't as good. Because, yeah, he gets beat five-hole twice last night, and, like, he was in disbelief that he got beat on that OT goal, even though, look, that, that was a hard hard save to make. That's sure why Demko doesn't get beat five-hole very often. And you could tell he was very upset with himself uh, that he let that one go in. Anyways, I just wanted to get that out there, and I needed to slip in a dig at Yaroslav askrov as well, because
1: that's what <laughs> I do. That's on brand.
0: Yes, it is. It's very on brand. Okay, uh, anything else, Harmony, or should we get to Dave?
1: Well, we'll. De- I'm sure we'll debate the 210 OT thing after. Yes, we'll, let's get to we'll it, it. In
0: anyone that. else, let's save it for anyone else. I love it because I do have. I do have some thoughts uh, on that, but before that. Let's get to our prospect roundup, a presentation of our friends at Four Winds Brewing family owned and operated in Delta home to the Four Winds Light Light Lager, a crisp, clean and easy drinking beer, a beer for everyone, a perfect beer for before, after or during the game. Ask for Four Winds Light Lager at your local liquor store or have some delivered right to your door through the online shop at fourwindsbrewing.ca. You're going to want some Four Winds while you're watching the world juniors and that's what we're about to talk about as we bring in our pal our good friend over at canucks army dave hall our prospect guru dave thank you for doing this
2: thanks for having me guys how you doing
0: good good it's good to chat with you uh, i have a lot of questions um so i'm just gonna throw them all at you who's the favorite okay. in this tournament like I, I know nothing about the prospects this year who's the favorite in the tournament
2: well, yesterday we had a Sweden versus USA battle, and I have to admit that's probably going. That those are probably the two uh, that are favorites to win. After watching it, the first forty minutes, or at least the first twenty minutes, actually was all Sweden. I was pretty quick to just be like, you know what, I think they might win gold. This might be the year uh, after you know disappointing bronze loss last year. But the last twenty minutes, the States looked unreal. I, I one thing I will say, and this is just a hint to all the competitors at the World Juniors do not take penalties against the States. It's Both units are just cheat codes. So I think the States are going to be pretty good, but I think Sweden's a a close second. Hmm. Dave, what should Canucks fans expect from
1: their prospects playing for Sweden at these World Juniors in terms of uh, where they slot into the lineup, potential role, uh, as well as how, how much of an impact you're expecting them to make?
2: Yeah, I guess we're all kind of honorable Swedes at this point, eh? Like, I I heard you guys mention that it's going to be tough to watch Team Canada. It's, you know, I I totally get that. But, uh, I mean, right off the bat, it's going to be Le I don't think that's going to be a a surprise to anyone. Um, He was a little bit quiet in the Tuesday game. Um, I was a little surprised, actually. But yesterday's game, he was buzzing the entire game. Him and uh, his former teammate, Noah Uslan, were just so dynamic together. And they only combined for one goal. But it could have honestly been five ten to be honest like they were just they were buzzing all, all game and i think you know there's there's obviously a lot of pressure for karen mackey to perform in this one you know he's a 19 year old he's been doing some great stuff in the shl so as much as we don't want to say don't take all the stock into a world junior tournament i do think this is an important tournament for him to kind of showcase what he's been working on at the shl level um you know whether it's myself or chris faber before me we've been harping on his game that it's kind of night and day from last year and so, it really has, and I'm kind of excited to for him to hopefully grab the reins and kind of just showcase what he's been doing. Um, so he's going to be, you know, the number one guy. He has potential to be one of the top producers in this tournament. It's going to be top, uh, top uh, even strength, top unit power play in his usual spot there. So, definitely, he's the guy. Um, second of all, obviously, you know, Tom Willander. Um, I'm a. It's going to be interesting with Tom Willander because I think it's going to be. You know, I think there's, again, just like with Karamaki, I think there's going to be a lot of expectations as our, our first round pick, you know, Benson or Rolander, there's all these debates going on all the time. And I think there's going to be, I'm going to call it unrealistic expectation. I just, you know, I I think some people, especially with defensemen, you know, if he's not getting the points, it's it's the end of the world. But... You know, from everything that we've seen in the two games that they've had, I, I don't expect him to be on the power play. He didn't see a sniff in the two games. And that's one game where Axel Sandin-Pelika, who's their go-to guy, he wasn't in the lineup and he still didn't get on the power play. So I don't think we're going to expect a ton of point production. There should be some five on five there. But in reality, I think a good tournament for him is just him showcasing what type of skater he is, showing off just how good of gap control he really does. And just overall, just the toolkit that he has rather than just putting up points. I'm just, um, I just have this, this, this fear that there's going to be this huge expectation for him to put points on the board. And I just don't think that's what he should be expected to do. He's an 18 year old. Um, but yeah, I I think, you know, hopefully he puts up a little couple points, but I think he's just going to have, uh, just a solid tournament to be honest. And then I think out of all three, I think, although he's going to be the yes, less utilized prospect, I think Elias Patterson has the highest potential to actually surprise quite a few people. Only because he comes in, he's going to be playing shutdown minutes on the third pairing and penalty kill. And I just don't think a lot of people have expectations for what he's going to do. But so far in his two games, he's actually looked really solid and just a really good two-way defenseman that doesn't really flash. But he's just a no-nonsense guy that just gets the job done. Um, so I think he's actually going to surprise a couple of people with what he can do.
0: Okay, so tempering expectations for Willander, but pretty high expectations for Jonathan LaCaramacchi. And that's the guy I wanted to ask you about because you mentioned last year. Last year, we saw him as the 13th forward at times. Like he, he had a tough tournament last year. So, yeah. what are those things that he's worked on? Like, what's going to make this year so much different than last year?
2: Well, I think number one is it's just health, right? He's he's feeling good. He's he's healthy. he's He's got his energy back and he's ready to just produce. And, you know, he's also now, now he comes in with some good experience. He's got uh, a full half year of SHL experience where he's, you know, not dominated, but he's looked really good. 10 goals and 16 points is nothing to scoff at for a 19 year old. So he's got that. He's coming in with confidence. And the, the, the thing that I love about Sweden, as opposed to all the other teams, maybe USA, because they have the development program, but they, these guys, these kids have just played together so much. And especially this group of forwards there, a lot of them are 19 and they just have so much chemistry together that I just think, look, along with Noah Osland and Liam Ogren, I just think that they're just going to come in and they they just have something to prove this year. And I, I just think there's going to be a chip on his shoulder and he's just, he's just come a long way. And I think health has a lot to do with it. So.
1: Not specifically pertaining to the world juniors, but with Canucks prospects as a whole, just big picture, is there a prospect in your mind that Canucks fans aren't maybe talking enough about that maybe deserves a little bit more praise that's flying under the radar a little bit based, off, based on their development this season?
2: Yeah, Sawyer Manio. Um He's doing some really fun things in Seattle. And, you know, I, I will say that a lot of his production um, is has been on the power play. Like, let's not sugarcoat it. He has, you know, half of his points on the power play on the top unit there, but he's just outside of top 10 in defensive points. And he just like, to be honest for a third, like, I mean, obviously he's not giving you as much value in the third round as Hunter Brustevich, maybe, but he's coming in as a third round pick and he's actually looking pretty good. He's a really smooth skater. He's a, he's an all around defenseman that can play in all situations. And I just think they may have found something that actually is, is pretty interesting in the third round there.
0: Dave, um, First of all, I want to plug your work because you've been doing the kind of preliminary stuff at Canucks Army, the preliminary games, which is great. Uh, And you're going to have the coverage for us all tournament long. So, people listening to this and watching this on YouTube, make sure you go check out Canucks Army and you check out Dave Hall's author profile because he's going to have a lot. We actually have, uh, I, I put in the chat for listener questions, Dave. So, we have a few questions from listeners to you um so i'm gonna get to this one from andrew christensen which also i'm interested in this who are the top two goalie prospects going into this tournament
2: the top two goalie prospects i would have to say sweden's uh for sure he's probably he's probably going to be the the goalies are so interesting in the world juniors you know i was actually just looking this up yet today with team canada because i'm actually i'm in a world junior pool and we're just kind of going through everything and goalies are just that one situation and Specifically for Canada, I guess, it just always seems to be this, like, who's going to be the goalie? And uh, to be honest, the tournament starts in a couple of days and we still don't know who the, the number one goalie is going to be. But I think at this point, Team Sweden's goalie is probably going to be, um, you know, the number one guy to, to look at. Um, I think Finland, Finland's, uh, I, I, I'm blanking on his first name, but Coco, I believe he, he he's going to get the bulk of the starts for Team Finland. Looks like you might know what I'm talking about. Oh, sorry. I thought uh, Nicholas um, Nicholas Coco. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Coco. you. Thank you. Um, Coco, Thank you. Um, <laughs> he's he's gonna play all the games for Finland as well. So he's he's probably gonna have a good workload. Um, and then Trey Augustine. He's looked really good for for Team USA. So I think those are probably those are the three to kind of basically the only ones solidified at this point to look to look at.
0: Yeah, I, I, it's interesting that you brought up Kako because he was one of the guys, you know, every year for the draft, I kind of throw out which goalie prospects I think the Canucks will like. Um, and again, I always pride myself on not actually having any info from Ian Clark, but I just throw <laughs> out that I'm like, I think he likes these guys. And I, I've been right twice already. So um, I threw out Kako last year, but he went in the second round. I think I think the Kraken or maybe the Flyers, I, I can't remember who it was. I, th- yeah, I think it was the Kraken. The Kraken. Kraken? Yeah. Okay. There you go. I think it was like late second round. I'm not sure. I thought he might be there for the Canucks in the third, fourth round, but he was not. Uh, they took him in the second round. So I find that interesting that uh, you bring him up and I'm, I'm actually, I don't know. I'm excited to see a prospect's development like that, like a goaltender, especially. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I, I forgot about that name. I honestly didn't even know he was going to be at this tournament. I haven't done much yeah, it, yet.
2: It's just so tough with goalies. Cause you just never know. Like we've had, like I said, team Canada, this happens every single year where you just, you think it's going to be someone and then, someone just comes out of the woodwork and just has this bang out tournament. And I don't know. It just goalies are so hard to predict in this one.
0: Yeah. Thomas Millish last year,
2: obviously was the big one from
0: Coquitlam. Got to give him, got to give him the shout out. He deserves
2: Um, world championships.
0: Yeah, that's, that's right. Uh, Okay. We'll get to this last one for you, Dave, from another, uh, another viewer, and then we'll let you go. Uh, Any under the radar draft eligible players to look out for?
2: I'm going to hold off on that a little bit only because it's a little bit early. Like back, um, I I used to uh, write for Dauber and I used to be all in the, you know, the under the radar, these kind of, these kind of guys, but just because I've been so focused on the Canucks prospects and just getting everything going, I I don't want to say out a name that I haven't been too familiar with. I I start to look at some of those under the radar guys pretty much now as we kind of get closer to the draft. So I, I wouldn't want to throw out a name and just act like I know what I'm talking about.
0: I almost feel like the world juniors is a chance to find those under the radar guys like it's literally like yeah okay this guy was playing on a third line or he was playing with a guy who we thought was going to be really good and like let's be honest like that's how that's how amateur scouts in the NHL sometimes find guys they're like well he played with our first round pick and we really liked what he did with him so we'll take him in the sixth seventh round I I wonder if there's gonna be a guy uh, that emerges like that because basically there is every year basically for you right
2: yeah exactly and you bring up a good point I, I i thank you for doing that and that's pretty much what it is like at the world juniors is kind of that moment where you take a look at the whole broad scope of things and you just you take a look and then from there you're, you make notes okay that's who i gotta go in and watch and then you kind of just go from there but we just got to find that next arvid kosma right and uh see how it goes the next Oli you levy there you go <laughs> And and that's a great point. And and you brought it up already before I came in. Like it's one of those tournaments where there's just so many expectations, but it's so important not to take, like, to just take it with a grain of salt, right? Like it's so many things can happen. Like I, I always bring Ovid Cosmer up because I remember that world juniors, he was just like, he came out, he was a workhorse, he was a water bug. And everyone was like, Oh my God, including myself, you know, a seventh round gem and you know, look how he turned out. So.
0: I love it. I love the Arvid Cosmar poll because Cosmar Mania was a real thing. Like That was a real thing. People were like, we got another Christmas present.
2: Absolutely. The next uh, Niels Hoglander.
0: That's right. There you go. Dave, thanks so much and we'll be reading along as I'm sure all of our listeners will as well with all of your work uh, at Canucks Army. Thanks so much for doing this, my friend, and happy holidays to you and yours.
2: Yeah, happy holidays. Merry Christmas, guys.
0: Yeah, Merry Christmas, Dave. And that was Dave Hall, who I already mentioned was brought to you by uh, our friends at Four Winds. Subtle results, still you before we get to anyone else it's friday which means i have to update everybody on my progression with the wendy's daily face-off survivor pool game before i do that i'll tell you what i'm talking about wendy's is letting you win real food with your fantasy teams this year with the wendy's daily face-off survivor pool for those of you who dream of smoking the competition wendy's is rewarding you with weekly prizes that will have you winning But here's the big secret to lineups. It's all serendipitous like Wendy's new limited edition chicken strips and French toast sticks. Sometimes the best teammates are the ones you'd least suspect. Sign up to play daily face-up survivor pool to win weekly prizes like the new chicken strips and French toast sticks from Wendy's and the Wendy's app. I was out on Monday. I was out on Monday, folks. I think I already talked about this on Wednesday, but I'll just bring it up again. I was out on, I was out on Monday, my wagon Anaheim ducks. I, I bet against them and they hurt me. They hurt me bad harm. They hurt me.
1: I was going to say on a Friday, there's no way you were updating the people on on what happened as if it was, as if you had made it, made it through Thursday. I was <laughs> like, that would have been a record
0: high for you already. So Look, I figured this has to be a callback to earlier in the week. Major props to anybody that's able to win this game. I'm starting to think I might just not be one of those people because it's hard. It's hard to make the right pick. Like, I don't think there was anyone that won last week. I think, I, I don't think anybody won the game last week. Like, zero people won the game, which is crazy. Um, But we'll see. I we'll should, see what happens. I should
1: sign up with, a, with an account and just pick the opposite of whatever you pick.
0: That's exactly, what exactly <laughs> I think starting next week uh we should and speaking of next week let's quickly go over our holiday schedule of harm uh because we are not going to be doing any shows until next Thursday so it's nice a little five day break six six day break for us uh we'll be back on the 28th to preview the Canucks first game back after their holiday break between the Philadelphia Flyers and your Vancouver Canucks. we'll be back on the 28th we'll be back on the 29th uh and then the second we're gonna obviously skip. Uh, New Year's Day, no show on New Year's Day, but we'll be back on the second, uh, and we'll have some good shows uh, after a nice little holiday break here, but before that, the Canucks play the San Jose Sharks tomorrow. I don't even want to preview the game, Harden, because I'm thinking to myself, like, the vibes are good around this team right now. Yeah, they've played a lot of games, but they're not going to lose to the San Jose Sharks. Are they heading into the break? There's no way. I mean, you're the vibes guy. You should know. I think the vibes are too good, like, not to, and I just... Look, I, I feel bad. I, I, I would feel bad for anybody who I don't think I'm going to the game tomorrow. Like I I wanted to go. We had this conversation yesterday. I think I'm sending Wyatt to that game because uh, I, I really wanted to go because the reindeer games thing with the Canucks dogs is is happening tomorrow. Uh, and I really wanted to go see it. But man, if, if they lose to the Sharks heading into the holiday break, I don't even know what the vibes are going to be. It's going to be the narrative is going to be this was a great time for a break for this team. Um, which it is look they they've they have played a lot of hockey lately, but I'm going with a win. That's that's what my vibes are telling me is it's gonna be a win tomorrow against San Jose. yeah, i'll I'll, I'll buy in on that. I love it. All right, let's get to anyone else as we get set to close out. This show, folks, it's time for anyone else presented by DoorDash. It's our listeners' chance to get involved and hit us up in the YouTube live chat, and it's also our listeners' chance to get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when they enter the code NATION25. That's all capital letters, NATION, and the numbers 25 with restaurants, grocery, pharmacies bakeries, flower shops, and more. DoorDash really has everything you need to make the holidays special. Once again, that promo code is NATION25 for 25% off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more with the DoorDash app. Offer valid in Canada. Subject to change. Terms do apply. Okay, uh, this is one that was for Dave Hall, but we will answer it harm. It's from Jesse C who said so many publications use different ranking systems for prospects. So do you have a favorite or least favorite way to rank prospect tools? I don't know about prospect tools per se, but like, I will say, my number one resource is the Elite Prospects draft guide. Like, I always, always go to that. And I have a lot of, I hate to say it without vomiting in my mouth, but I have a lot of respect for J.D. Burke and the work they're doing over there uh, at Elite Prospects. He's got a fantastic team over there. Uh, and look, like Greg Ballack, that's the goalie guy over at Elite Prospects, or one of them at least. And I really have a lot of respect for Greg and his takes um mostly because I think a lot of times they go against what JD thinks about goalies because JD does not know goalies I'll just say that I I just gave him a pat on the back I just gotta say guy was telling we Yaroslav Askarov second mention of him on the show I uh, I was texting JD about Askarov today because I was I was banging the drum for a long time that Askarov uh was not as good as everybody thought but anyways I digress
1: yeah I'd say for me I don't lean on um all-in-one type model necessarily I try and use a combination of production, especially relative to historical peers and trying to find statistical comparables. And then I pair that with just having conversations with scouts um, who are in the game and uh, you know the public work of the likes of Scott Wheeler, J.D. Burke, uh, all, all these uh, public analysts that I sort of trust. But before we move on, I think we got to debate the 2-1-0 breakaway. Yes, yes, yes. So
0: I, I want to hear your take first. Okay, so I I don't know which which way you want to go with this, but I I I think I know. So I was watching that, and first of all, I know Dakota Joshua had a big game. I know he scores eighth goal of the year. But you can't have him out on three on three OT, right? Like like it, I don't know if that's the direction you're going, but basically what I'm saying is. First of all, it's a 210. You have to convert. Everybody's saying, oh, Patterson was so slow. Peterson didn't score. Dude was out there for like a minute and 30 seconds at that point. So he'd been out there for a while. He probably had no, no gas left in the tank. But I just I just thought that that Scott Wedgewood in net. And like my grandmother might have been able to stop that chance. And not because Elise Peterson's shot was bad, but because I just thought D- Dakota Joshua telegraphed it the whole way exactly what they were going to do like it gave I thought it just gave Wedgwood way too much time to know exactly what was going to happen like if if Joshua doesn't have his hips completely turned to Pedersen he could like do a little shoulder shimmy and get Wedgwood to maybe drop down and then it's a tap in for Elias Pedersen but like as soon as he got the buck he immediately gave it back to Pedersen and by that point I just thought that there was no chance for Pedersen to really do do much with it I just I don't know I'm think, I was thinking to myself, like, okay, if that was Niels Huglander, if that was Connor Garland, just, just some names that I was thinking of, Ilya Mikheyev even, I don't know about Mikheyev, but I don't know, man, I don't know, that was my take, was I just, I don't think it was, it should have been, um, Joshua out there, but. Jesse C also making a good point that I think Elise Patterson passed it a little too soon on that play on the two on zero as well. So it's not all Dakota Joshua's fault. I just thought he passed it a little too soon. Um, but then he, you know, I thought I thought Joshua just telegraphed what the play was going to be way too soon and way too easily. Like he, he it was able to Wedgwood was able to read that play way too easily.
1: I think the scoring chance you're right was not executed by the, by the duo together well at all, but. I was just going to push back at the idea that I actually think, based off vibes, this is this is vibes, that Joshua actually, I didn't hate the coaching staff using him in the three-on-three OT just because he'd been having a monster game. He's been rolling recently, and when you have a hot hand like that, I didn't mind it at all. And, and I'll, I'll say this too, the only reason they had a 2-on-0 in the first place is because Joshua made an excellent defensive play. There's no 2-1-0 rush if that's okay. Niels yep. Oglander or, or Connor Garland just because he used all of, it, all of his length. Um, that's a great point. To anticipate that play point. and break the play up and create that 2-1-0 in the first place. And so if you're in a 2-1-0 situation, you've already, I think, done well. Yes, the pass was not the best decision there. But I also think Pedersen had, still had enough room. He didn't have a lot, but he still had enough room to cut across and go to his backhand. I think he legitimately just saw, cause I was watching a playback. He saw a little hole and thought he could go five hole. And I think that was just a bad decision where the right move would have been cut across, try and go to your back end.
0: So I was making jokes and Grady, Grady has a chime in for us, but I want to quickly say this. I was making jokes last night that, so the Canucks media skate, I, I mentioned that was my first time shooting a puck. So, I was making fun of the people that are like, I played the game, I know. So I was like, actually, that was a hard play. I know that because I've now played the (laughs) game. Anyways, Brady, what do you have for us?
3: Well, I just wanted to throw it out there. Like, You had two left shots going down together who probably have never practiced line rushes before um so there's an unfamiliarity component there as well I thought Pedersen should either try to go high on Wedgwood or go back to the far side because goalie sliding across you kind of shoot against the grain that he was coming from and I just thought Joshua was still a little too far out and he didn't really get Wedgwood to bite and allowed Wedgwood to stay square as opposed to kind of try to get him to either go down or bite on the shot and then you know, either throw it back across. Um, But yeah, I think it just boiled down to, you know, two guys that have probably never played together. Well, they haven't, and nor have they practiced something like that. And two on oh, heat of the moment, like that's a tough play to complete, especially when you have uh, two guys shooting the same way. If Joshua was a right hand shot, I imagine PD probably would have thrown that back over a little earlier alternatively it's hard to lift the puck off the ice so
0: let's cut a loose some slack i've played the game so I'm, I'm just joking uh grady can you can can we bring on can we bring on tilly are she's we able sleeping to right
3: now she's sleeping okay, right okay. now okay so we will we, we will on our next show uh we talked the, about then. it yesterday
0: yeah we talked about it yesterday that uh grady's got a puppy and uh people people want people want puppies on this tilly show and i mean I could go get Bert, but I don't want to interrupt the show to go get him from, uh, from his uh, sleeping quarters that he's there in right know. now. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have the dogs. We'll have the dogs on the show uh, at some point. Okay. Uh, do we have anything else here? Cause there was one more that I saw. Yeah. This one from Andrew. Uh, Andrew Christensen asked Kuzmenko back in the lineup against the Sharks. I think yes. Harman. Yeah. Like, yeah, he has to get back in the lineup. If he doesn't get back in the line because the Sharks, he's never getting back in the lineup.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I literally, uh, and then the other point I wanted to make in relation to that is DiGiuseppe now is 13 games without a point. And you look at the numbers the other night in the Dallas game, Canucks were outshot nine to nothing with uh, DiGiuseppe on the ice. So we're just not seeing the same level of energy effectiveness on the forecheck. Early in the season, it felt like he was, making so many impressive plays as the first man in in on the forecheck. And now for whatever reason, I don't know if it's a case of early in the season, he's got this cushy role and there's a lot of adrenaline going. I don't know if it's just difficult to sustain that type of high energy play style because of um, the schedule they've had, or whether it's just a case of sometimes sometimes when you have quad A players, they outperform for a little stretch and then they sort of come, come back down to earth. But whatever the case is, um, PDG should be the one to come out of the lineup.
0: Yeah, Uh, I threw out Sam Lafferty, but I thought Sam Lafferty had a better game uh, last night. So I don't know if it's him. I I think it probably is PDG. And Harmon, I'm not sure if you read it, but Cody Sievertson had a really interesting piece where he just looked at the NHL hustle numbers and it from NHL Edge uh, of PDG and Kuzmenko. And it really came down to the fact that, because Manko just hasn't moved his feet this season and PDG has, and he's one of the Canucks best four checkers. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what they do tomorrow night. But yes, we are thinking it is going to be a win uh, tomorrow. And I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting word that Bert is coming in uh, because my girlfriend's home and she heard, heard me talking and she texted me and said, I'm going to bring Bert in. So I think Bert is going to make an appearance on the show. And Grady in our private chat here said Tilly, uh, which is short for Matilda. Is also coming on the show. You bring you bring Tilly on because Bert's Burke's just outside. He's he's getting ready. Oh my gosh. He's looking sleepy puppy. right now. Oh my goodness. Everyone say hi to Tilly. Look at this puppy. Oh my <laughs> gosh. You guys like the ears? He is adorable. This. I got Bert coming in. Bert, come here, buddy. Hi.
3: Dual puppy hi. cams.
0: Hi,
3: Bert. Say hi, hi. Say hi to the oh, YouTube crowd. God. You're a YouTube star now. Oh. Hi. Hi. Microphone a kiss, Bert. <laughs> oh, hi. we are clip this, kiss, Brady. Brady? My... The, clips, the clips of
0: dogs, in my experience, because we brought Bert on. When Bert was a baby, he came up. Bert, oh, yeah. Bert hasn't been on the show in a while, but uh, when he was a baby. Harmon, don't you have a dog? <laughs> I do. Go get her. We need all three dogs. <laughs> Harmon, oh. what's your dog's name? I don't even know your dog's name.
1: Okay, one second. Cash,
0: <laughs> that's a
1: good
3: Old name. big yawn. Hey, buddy, oh, big yawn from Bert. Oh, oh double yawn, that was almost synced.
0: Hi, Cash, big chat is loving this. Yeah, it's He's Christmas. A big folks. boy, We're... though. We're... Oh,
1: wait. yeah, bring him up to your lap.
0: <laughs> I can't,
1: <laughs> it's physically impossible.
0: <laughs> oh, man, yeah, uh, it's almost Christmas, folks. So, this is the part of the show where we just bring our dogs on the show and. Yeah, Bert's gonna close us out here. Oh, we still have to get to bet weight, Grady. I just realized that. We'll do that eventually. Yeah. Oh, Bert wants belly rubs. Wow, he just leaned back. I can't pick him up, but he just went under the table. <laughs> there you go. So he's here. Uh, he's here in spirit. Okay, I think it's time for you to go, buddy. I think we need to do our best. Yeah,
3: Billy's whining. She needs to go back okay. to her. Okay, and, uh, okay Bert, you go back to me. bed too,
0: buddy. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
3: okay. Okay. All
0: right. <laughs> Thanks for coming, Bert. Okay, uh, let's get to it. Let's get to our Betway bet of the day. <clears throat> All right. Bringing it back into serious mode here, folks. Uh, our Betway bet of the day brought to you by our friends, of course, over at Betway, Betway, Betway. There it is. I found it. They got some World Junior props, and we are picking one today. Jonathan Maki, Canucks prospect, of course, to be the top goal scorer at the World Junior Championships. Look, he's hes among the favorites, folks. I think he had the fourth best odds last I checked. Uh, Carter Goche is the favorite right now, 14 Canada, plus 600. But you can get Jonathan LeCaramaki at plus 1,000 odds, which means a $10 bet will return you $110 over on. Betway, Betway, Betway. Must be 19 plus play. If you choose to play, please play responsibly. Harmon, what breed is your dog? Uh, a Cane Corso oh man i didn't know that those are g- gorgeous dogs they are yeah they are yeah you you might have not even be able to hold him up when he was a puppy because those things are massive
1: yeah i mean he's he's not uh the size like some of them are tanks he's definitely the skinnier yeah. size yeah, yeah he's definitely skinnier but
0: yeah he's adorable he's a tank you can't bring him up you can't bring him up you can't bring him up no uh, no chance yeah. yeah that's awesome well This was a fun show, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Harmon, thanks for doing it. I know you had a big travel day and uh, obviously you're a little bit tired from the road as we all would be after that travel schedule. Uh, So thanks so much for joining us, man. I really appreciate you making time to come co-host with me today.
1: Of course, boys. It was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. Happy holidays to all of our listeners, uh, to you, Harmon, to you, Grady, uh, as well, and Tilly and Bert. And what's your dog's name, Harmon? Cash. Cash, that's right. Cash and to Cash, of course. So uh, my co-host Harmon Dial, our technical producer, Grady Sass, and all of our dogs here at Ooh. Canucks Conversation. My name is David Gugelli. Thank you so much, folks, for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Canucks Conversation with Harmon and Quads every weekday at 2 p.m. Be sure to check it out on the Canucks Army YouTube channel. And if you missed
3: it, go check it out on your favorite podcast catcher app.